Does your love of quilting extend to all things crafty? I'm going to throw down a list here, but don't worry. Our guest today also loves quilting just as much as you. She does sewing, cutting on the Cricut machine, watercolor painting, brush lettering, paper craft, Christmas crafts, and do-it-yourself projects for the home. Today's guest loves to quilt and craft right along with you, and she has a business that's sure to get you into maker mode with an inspiring follow your dream story to go along with it. Welcome to the Quilter on Fire podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Quilter on Fire podcast, where I explore quilting stories that will inspire, motivate, and bring you more joy and less overwhelm in your studio. I'm your host, Brandi Maslowski, also known as the Quilter on Fire, and I can't wait to share this week's episode with you. So here we go. My guest today is Jennifer Tryon. She is a public figure, a TV crafter, the morning show contributor on Global TV, and a crafter on the Home Shopping Network and the Shopping Channel. And she's just an all-around lover and designer of handmade things. With her TV background, she creates high-quality interactive experiences for the crafter in you. I have her in the virtual studio right now to meet her, see how she's grown her business, and talk about her upcoming October event for quilters. So let's get into it. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Oh, Brandy, thank you so much for having me. It's so nice to have you here. Now, I always like to start by taking a little look back. So when did you start your creative journey? Honestly, I wish I could say I was, you know, a kid that was sewing on my mom or my grandma's lap, but I wasn't. It wasn't until I was in university and suddenly I had my own place with a bunch of roommates And the house that we rented was kind of a dive, but we were all very like excited to live there. And it had a formal like dining room, which, you know, a bunch of university students really, we really weren't using, but there was a table in there. And suddenly I got really into crafts and I took it over and it became the university craft room. (laughs) And I used to make all kinds of random things there. And eventually a sewing machine got put there and everyone would be like partying and out and I'd be like sewing or <laughs> painting or doing all these because it really took hold in university. And I think it was because it was the first time I was away from home. And even though I wasn't someone who learned how to do this stuff at home, it very much was part of our home life. And so I think it just sort of subconsciously crept in. And that's when I really started my crafting journey was was in university while I was studying journalism. And all your roommates didn't like sort of say like, are we ever going to have a nice family dinner at the table? No, (laughs) not once. (laughs) They were mostly eating pizza on the coffee table. It was all good. (laughs) Yeah. Or they were out having fun. Yeah. Okay. So where are you living now and who are your loved ones that you share your world with every day? So I've just moved to Kingston, Ontario, and I've got three kids and a husband. And I, so my kids, I've got twins who are 12 and a 13 year old. And so that's, that makes for busy life because they're all involved in all kinds of things. And my husband's a teacher, so he's nice and stable and everybody's, you know, while I go off and kind of you know, try to live my best life, you know, being my most creative self. It hasn't always been that way. It hasn't always been that way. 
And have you guys kind of moved from like the big city to more of a country setting or how is that? Well, How's that transition? We, yeah, we've moved from the GTA. So we were in Markham and it was a much different lifestyle for sure. Kingston is where I grew up. And so it is a bit of a homecoming. My sisters and I all moved back home almost just at the same time. My one sister just bought a house down the street. And so all the kids are now like very, all the cousins are together and having more of the kind of childhood that I had growing up where there was a a very big family intermingling always going on. So that's what's happening right now for us. And, you know, we're living the suburban life, but I have always, you know, since those university days where I had that craft room at home, you know, I had a craft room at home and now finally I'm going to have a craft room outside my home. And so that's what we're building in Kingston right now. Oh, nice. And now you'll be able to use your dining room table for all those family events, right? (laughs) (laughs) So many sewers hijack the dining room table, even though I'm going to have this great space. You know, there's always going to be something that gets pulled out there. Yeah. So you have you have such an inspiring story. So did you head straight into a creative entrepreneurship in those college days or university days? Or did you transition to like creative professional full time from some other career? Right. So like I mentioned, I studied, I did a double major in journalism and law at Carleton University in Ottawa. And I thought if I don't get a job in TV, then I'll I'll go to law school, I'll finish and I'll write the bar exam, I'll be a lawyer. But I got a job in TV even before I left school, which was amazing. I started at CTV in Ottawa. And then I moved kind of all over as a TV reporter. And I spent the last 10 years of my career with Global National in Toronto. And I was always traveling all over the world on these big breaking news stories. But I was always traveling with a craft project because we were always getting stuck places. And so my cameraman was always like, do we have to lug this sewing machine around? We have enough equipment. (laughs) And I'd be like, yes, I need to finish these pajamas for my, for my toddler. And, you know, because I was always making things, you know, as a way to feel close to them, even when I was gone a lot. And yeah. And so I became pretty skilled and I started writing a blog about what I was making on the road. And the news organization at the time was like, sorry, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, what? It's like my therapy. <laughs> I need this. I need this to feel whole. You got to understand. Yeah. And so I have like all of these big world events that I mark based on what I made when I was there. You know, the Boston Marathon bombings was, you know, in the fall one year and I was like making Christmas decorations. The mall collapsed in Elliott Lake, Ontario. And I remember making, I really got into making the kids pajamas at the time. Like, and anyway, so I got pretty skilled and I ended up raising some money to film a couple episodes of this craft TV show. And we filmed it and it never kind of went anywhere. But we did screen it at the big craft event that happens every year in Los Angeles, or it did at the time. Uh, I think they moved it to Arizona now. But anyway, we felt we screened it there and a lot of craft companies saw it. And I guess the combination of TV and not just YouTube TV, like someone who can be live on TV yeah, uh, and crafting was sort of a rare combination. Yeah. So I got asked if I wanted to do some appearances on HSN, which is the home shopping network in the US because they have these 24 hour craft days. Mm. And I thought, no, (laughs) 24 hours. (laughs) Well, and I'm a reporter. Like, what do you mean? Like, I can't, 
go on TV where things will be sold. I'm too objective. <laughs> I have to, you know, that that's that's goes against my nature. Anyway, but I did go and check it out because if I was being honest with myself, I have three little kids and I'm staying up all night making things for them because that's what I love doing. Mm-hmm. So that and I work all day and I cover these big stories and I have a very big job and I do it and I do it and I do it. But then the thing I need to do that's feeding my soul is the, the thing I'm doing for free Yeah, is now what someone's saying, hey, come do it with the skills that you already have from TV. Yeah. Uh, so then it sort of started to make sense. Yeah. And I was like, huh. So I eventually just transitioned right out of news and started doing segments on TV where things needed to get made. And I became the spokesperson on TV for lots of different awesome brands. Janome, for example, is is a big one that I love so much because it's a sewing machine I use. So I just feel so thrilled that they they allow me to to do this for them. Yeah, uh, so Cricket great. Canada is one that I use in lots of sewing projects for applique, but for lots of other things too. So then I started doing shows like on, you know, HSN, yes, the Home Shopping Network in Canada, which is now called Today's Shopping Choice. And I have a back to global. I mean, I was with Global National for so long. And now on the National Morning Show, I do a segment, I do their DIY and craft segments. So it's all kind of just come together, like my two things. And I kind of thought as I was transitioning out, huh, I mean, I just kind of created this job for myself. Yeah. Like it sounds, sometimes it seems like it happened overnight. It really didn't. It was years and years of doing it and continuing to do it, even when I had to do my regular job to make that transition so that we, you know, didn't go broke and could still have our house and all that. So it's not a quick thing to transition always to your passion, right? Yeah. But if you persevere, uh, you really can have this sort of job that doesn't feel like a job. It just feels like yeah. the thing that you love to do. Yeah. And it's so brave to walk away from a huge career, but it sounded really grueling, all that travel. And it, instead of really sort of making a clean break and just doing something completely different, it sounds like you've made a really good transition, keeping the best bits and using your TV yeah. skills in the crafting world. And I had to get over a bit of, I'll be brave and say it, ego. I yeah. did. because. A lot of people, like I had just been offered the Washington bureau chief and, you know, that's a big job. Like, you know, I was going to move to Washington. We had the kids enrolled in school in Washington. You know, they called me up and they're like, you know, before I had kind of said, I would go, you know, what do you think about Washington? And And of course you say, yes. I mean, you always say, yes, this is how I got to where I got. So, you know, and in my mind, I was just screaming, no, no, like my soul was saying no, as I was saying yes. And I just thought, I cannot do this. I have to go in the other direction. (laughs) The only thing that was luring about the job was not working at the White House. It was sort of the inexpensive fabric I was going to get to buy living in the US. (laughs) (laughs) The free shipping was the only thing I could think about as a Canadian girl is what I might be able to get. 
this this did not translate into a reason to <laughs> to keep going on that path. Yeah, I resonate with this story so well, and I'm sure that a lot of people listening right now feel exactly the same way. They can just feel the pull to do what they love, and you know they're maybe stuck in a nine to five or something. So let's get into the story of your very first quilt. Tell us about that. So I was a reporter. And we had just moved to uh, a new house and we had, I had two little babies and uh, two little twin babies and a toddler. And I thought, I'm a pretty good sewer. Yeah. I mean, I've made our curtains. I've made like a couple things like that. Could I make a quilt? And I was so new to quilting. Like I'd never really even like taken a deep dive in. I, I didn't even really know at the time that you could just buy a pattern and follow it. Yeah. I literally was just thinking of my grandmother and using and how she would use the scraps and sew them together. And so I thought, I'm just going to get a bunch of fabric and I'm going to cut it into strips and I'm just going to sew it together and see what happens. And so that's what I did. And you know what? It turned out okay. I just straight line quilted it. Many of those lines are very wonky and not, you know, at all <laughs> even, but it, it does not matter at all. It, to this day, it's like my favorite quilt. The pattern of the fabrics don't really go. They're not from the same collection. They, they just, I just love them, you know? And I was like, oh yeah, flannel back. I, all my grandma's quilts had flannel backs. I'll find some flannel. I had ended up not having enough. So I had to piece together, you know, parts for the back because of course I didn't measure anything properly. It just was what it was. Yeah. And it like, I think the binding is close to an inch. Wide. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. You know, and that's what I say to people. Hey, your first, no matter how your stitching turns out or what your fabric looks like, it does not affect the comfort or the warmth of this quilt. Yeah, You know, it really doesn't, it really doesn't. So it, it lies on one of the kids' beds always. Yeah. And it sounds scrappy and gorgeous and comfortable. And it's a milestone for you, right? Totally. Yeah. Totally. Okay. So what would you call yourself as a crafter or as a quilter, like sort of vintage, scrappy, modern, contemporary? I mean, I kind of don't, I mean, it's funny that you asked me to call myself something because I see a lot of people in the quilting biz, let's say, who are fabric designers and pattern designers and professional quilters or long armors. And I feel like I am a consumer. I feel like I am just a regular gal, which I am, who sees a quilt that I love and tries to make it too. And so I see them from all genres. I because, and I think this is my, you know, TV or journalism background that doesn't ever say I belong, like that doesn't, you know, have an opinion. Yeah. Let's say I see what I love and then I try to make it, or I try to design something myself that, you know, just feels like what I love. And I think that that's been why my like homemade business has been so successful so quickly. And I think it's because I'm the customer. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, I'm hosting these events and we're, you know, we're, we've got all this stuff going on, but I really do view things from the lens of the average quilter, sewer, crafter, not from a leader in the industry, not from someone who 
is on this side or that side of, you know, any sort of design fence. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. You can do yeah. whatever you want. You can enjoy everything. That makes perfect sense. I just think gravitate toward what you love and then yeah. you'll always feel happy. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of doing what makes you happy, can you give us a glimpse into your creative process? Do you like, oh. do you sketch things or do you do things <laughs> digitally or? Yeah, all of those things. What I would say is I'm pretty chaotic. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to think it up and probably I would draw it out either on my iPad or even just on a napkin. Like I don't really, I'm not really particular about where for sure it'll get lost yeah but by the time I don't need that scrap anymore I I, I'm well on my way yeah and so the creative process for me usually begins with a gigantic burst of inspiration then some sort of gigantic spending spree (laughs) (laughs) right I'm probably not going to use anything that I have in my stash and then I'll just go for it Yeah. Then I'll just go for it. If I'm creating something for others to create with, I'm far more rigid and methodical because I really want anybody who follows me or does any of our events to always have success and to, you know, I want the instructions to be to a T and I want to make sure they have everything they need and everything they need to know. But when I'm just doing it myself, I'm very much like, let's just go for it. But I also really do want things to turn out as I envision. So sometimes I can really spend like hours and hours and hours zoning in and like pedal to the metal to get things done. So big bursts of inspiration followed by, (laughs) by, by big bursts of spending and then a lot of hours and, and then move on to the next. Yeah, that sounds so good. So speaking of sort of creating crafts for someone else, let's Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about your segments on the morning show. You've mentioned that, but let's dive in a little bit further. So do you get some kind of prompt, like we're making a craft bucket today and we need you to do a segment or do you come up with the ideas? How does that all work? Yeah. So it's a mix of both. So sometimes, so for example, a few weeks back when we were getting ready for back to school, the producers would email and say, hey, do you have any good ideas for parents for back to school? Or they might say, uh, Thanksgiving is around the corner or Christmas is coming out. What could you do that's a bit different? Yeah. Or I might say to them, I'm you know, working on this really cool whatever. Are you interested? And so it's very much a back and forth. Sometimes they have sponsors, advertisers who will say, hey, let's do a bunch of say, for example, last year we did a great series with Lowe's. And so it was far more DIY centered. So in that case, they said, hey, have your pick at Lowe's. Like what can, what do you want to do around the house? Because that's what people are really into. And, you know, we did a whole bunch of different makeover projects. We changed all our closet doors and did, you know, we built a a dog washing station in our laundry room and cool, like bigger projects like that. But sometimes it's really small, like kids crafts and, you know, how to, you know, make a Mother's Day charcuterie board. You know, it can be very, very collaborative. So we always like to have, the show always likes to have a theme because, you know, people are working on different things in different times of the year. And then they also want to check in on, okay, what is it that you're actually making? 
So I've got a bunch of segments coming up that are going to be like, Hey, I'm going to redo my fireplace. Want to watch from start to finish. And usually people do because there's always some good tips and tricks along the way. And even if you're not going to do something like that, uh, it's always fun to see a before after. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I need a dog washing station and I need to redo my fireplace. I'm going to have to watch those. (laughs) I know. Right. So can you tell us a lot of people listening right now just might watch TV. They may have never been behind the scenes. So what is it like just, you know, in those moments before, is there a green room? Do you have a makeup person? Do they get you all dolled up? Like what's Uh behind the scenes? Yeah, all those things. So COVID has not been kind to any industry, including TV. So a lot of the brilliant makeup artists that we used to get at a lot of the networks, they are now having us do our own makeup, you know, because of COVID. Hopefully that comes back. But typically, yeah, you would go and get your makeup done at the, like, before you go on TV, because, oh man, it's not kind otherwise. <laughs> it I would looks... be so lovely if I had someone doing my makeup and my hair. I know. Every time I, I do know. my own makeup, it looks like I have a black eye. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> You get pretty good. I mean, I, there was times when I could do my makeup with no mirror at all. Wow. And, and I'd be doing it like on this, you know, leaning against a tank or, or in some sort of like flood. Anyway, yeah. you get good at putting on just enough that you don't look like the wreck that you truly are inside. <laughs> so don't believe, you know, what you see. But yes, behind the scenes, you definitely are going to want to have your hair and makeup done. And the thing that I found the most fascinating when I first started going on like the shopping channels, and I always get a laugh out of it, is that sometimes you get an email where they tell you the phone number of the emergency nail artist. Oh. And I thought, <laughs> I always thought that was hilarious because like, you reminder. have to have your nails perfect. Right. And I hate getting my nails done. My nails are never perfect because I work with my hands constantly. There's no way I can have big fake nails and and survive at all. So I always just get like some sort of clear (laughs) short nail. Yeah. But yes, that I thought was pretty hilarious and things people didn't know. Another thing I thought was really funny when I would go, especially in the US, is the hosts who are all so nice, but the studios are super big and they often need to keep talking or you need to keep talking between moving sets. So one thing will be set up in like studio A, for example, and then a second thing that you have on the air set up in studio B. And they might be like a long way from one another, but they don't want the host to get out of breath. So the producers push them in wheelchairs really fast through the building and they keep a nice normal pace while they're talking and so they're never out of breath (laughs) and I thought that was yeah yeah that was pretty good and you know what and it's just like you know like like you think the show must go on there's been tons of weird things happen in the middle of shows that you have to just keep on going I was sewing at HSN in the middle of like a torrential torrent like all the power went out And it was black in the studio. And finally, just someone had their iPhone, but the cameras were still on the generator. And so they just shone some lights on us and we just kept going. (laughs) It was so weird. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. yeah. So for HSN and TSC, I, I mean, I can only imagine, but I would, I would think that those are channels to sell product. That's their whole point. But so is it based around the products that they sell, the crafting you would do there? Yes. So they'll have on like a new item or a special price on a, a 
fabulous sewing machine. And usually what they do is they make it available for like 24 hours. And that is the price for 24 hours. And the host sells it. And I go on to show people how to use it. And so, and explain, because the host, you know, they sell all kinds of things all day. However, so they bring in someone who really knows about the machines, who uses them, who is, you know, sort of an expert, I guess I've become on the machines or on the techniques. And we do projects on the air to, to show you, hey, if you're interested in these kinds of techniques, then maybe this is a machine for you. Although I'm just an advocate for pull out whatever machine you have. You don't have to have the latest and greatest. Use what you've got. I always think if you're trying to sell a sewing machine, just get them to use whatever they've got. Eventually, they'll want more if they become a passionate sewer. And you can get, the, you know, make a sale or, you know, have them try your brand later on down the road. I think the most important thing is that you discover whether or not you love sewing. Because yeah. if you do, all the toys and, you know, all the latest and greatest will come. And, you know, people have different budgets and it means different things to different people. So I just say, just try it with what you've got. But yes, to answer your question, it is always centered around a product. However, on the morning show, it's always centered around a project or a theme. So that's the difference there. Yeah. And so as, you know, the average person watching TV, when we think of journalism and reporting and travel and and the things that you did originally, we sort of imagine Mm -hmm. the umbrella going up in the air and the torrential storm and, you know, the Mm -hmm, things that happen. Have you had any like big bloopers or anything like that along the journey? Oh my gosh, so many, (laughs) so many, even in crafting TV, I've had so many. And that's the, that's the thing that you have to just keep going. I've had people come up to me in the middle of being live and like yell at me, or I've had the light, like basically like fall down like the like the camera guys all have lights set up behind the camera the wind blows and it falls in your face I was anchoring the news one time and during the commercial break I took a giant sip of water and then immediately started coughing and spilt it all down the front of my suit so I came back on the air literally within two seconds and there was just water dropped all over my beige suit so you could totally see it so many so many things I remember I just started at a new tv station in Montreal And I had just moved from the TV station in Kitchener and I threw back to the anchors that were in Kitchener, (laughs) even though I was in Montreal. (laughs) (laughs) And they were like, wait, where are we going right now? (laughs) Yeah, it was, that was not good. There's been so many over and you just have to move forward and you develop a very thick skin for everybody who, you know, wants to write in and tell you what you look like and what, you know, what you sound like and all that kind of stuff. It's always, always funny. I remember I got a letter one time from someone who was in prison and this would be a fellow who I'm assuming does not have access to women. And he says to me, it's so nice. He only had the one channel. It's so nice to finally see someone on the news who doesn't care about what they look like. Oh, (laughs) Oh, (laughs) like, I actually try sometimes to care about what I look like. All right. Maybe what you're seeing is authenticity. Yeah. Natural (laughs) beauty. That's right. Sure. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So you touched on a few great collaborations with companies. So can you tell us a little bit more about how you got connected with Janome and what you do with them? So remember when I said we did this pilot episode of this craft show, Janome actually said, 
hey, we'll help you out with that. We'll give you a machine and we'll give you some money to film it. And why don't you try using, you know, Janome or this new Janome? Because I already had a Janome, but I hadn't reached out to them at all. But because they saw this clip, they were like, hey, this, this looks legit. Yeah. And so I got connected with them that way. And they did provide me with a machine. It was fabulous. We we shot a bunch of stuff with them. And then the person who was doing their segments previously on the shopping channel was going to retire. And so that made them think of me because I'd already started doing HSN. And so they said, well, do you want to do our shows too? And I thought, yes, of yeah. course, Great. for sure. And, you know, one thing leads to another, you know, so if any listeners thinking like, oh, I don't know, should I take this one little job? For sure. You don't know what it might lead to. Should I take this one commission? Maybe I'm not a professional. One thing leads to another. And that's sort of how I've built this so far as one thing leading to another. Yeah, that's great advice. Just take that one step. What if it Mm -hmm. turns out better than you ever imagined, right? Absolutely. Yeah, you don't have to go the whole way right at the beginning. You just have to take one step. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And tell us how you got involved with Cricket and what you do with them. Yeah. So Cricket was always a very big fish for me. I would be at HSN and yes, I would be there with Janome, but Cricket would always be like the star of the day, especially in the U.S., And I thought, oh, I wish I could, because I had a cricket at home. I always was making cards and scrapbook pages. And I thought, wow, someday, 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 someday. Anyway, so I was doing something for the morning show one time. And I thought, I'm just going to be brave. And I'm going to call up cricket. And I'm just going to say, hey, would you want to be a part of something that we're doing? And they said, sure. And I thought, Oh my gosh, it was so easy. <laughs> oh, this it, it's not like this intangible thing that's so far out of reach. Who knew? I maybe just could have called them up. Yeah. And they would just be nice people on the other end of the phone. <laughs> and so that was great. So I did a couple like segments and they were in them. And then, you know, about a year or so later, Cricket decided to open an actual headquarters in Canada. Uh-huh. Like uh, Cricket Canada came to be. Yeah, Canadians were always sort of using the the U.S. and getting stuff shipped from the U.S. or shopping at Michaels or whatever. Now you could on the Cricket website shop in Canadian dollars. You know, there's going to be Cricket Canada social media, and so the Cricket media people, because I had called them that one time, said, "Hey, you know what? There is a girl in Canada. Yeah. Maybe you should talk to her." Yeah, and one thing leads to another, and presto. Now I'm doing the shows for cricket and, and, you know, we have our, the cricket virtual event and lots of different cricket collaborations that I'm involved with, which is amazing. And it's also amazing for Canadians that a big company, a big craft fish like cricket said, you know what, it's worth it. Let's, let's bring our own branch to Canada too. And, you know, serve Canadians. Yeah. We're totally worth it. Yeah. Okay, so let's dive into your studio space in your new home. What kind of space do you have for crafting? So right now, we've just moved. And I've always had space in the house to craft. We do have a spare room I'm going to set up as a little sewing space. But I'm so excited that I'm actually going to, I've got a separate space outside of our home. There's going to be a retail space on the bottom. There's going to be a full TV craft room upstairs. 
So all my segments, I'm going to film from there and I'm going to move all the, because they're so, I'm not even kidding you. I moved a sea containers worth of supplies (laughs) from our move from Toronto to Kingston. And so it's just getting renovated right now. But if you're following me on social media, you'll be able to see tons of before afters. Yeah, You know, it's construction, it's going slow. I keep changing my mind about things, <laughs> but I do think it's going to be beautiful. And I'm so excited to get making in there. And I do acknowledge like, you know, hey, lots of us are at our dining room tables and I have been there for years. Yeah. And then I slowly took over this corner and then I took, you know, a little bit of the spare room and then I took a lot of the spare room and then I took the little bit of the basement and then I took a lot of the basement, then all the basement, mm-hmm. you know, and then I quit my actual job and really took over the basement. <laughs> so there's definitely been a progression. Yeah. Um, you can do all these things and not have a craft room at all, but I am excited to show everybody the new craft room uh, when it's done. It'll be really exciting to have the film location, you know, yeah. in your home, like at your home yeah. location. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Okay. So I love this question. This is a question I ask every guest before the break. In okay. your creative world, what brings you joy? Oh, sharing. <laughs> sharing sounds like such a, you know, altruistic answer, but I like people seeing it. <laughs> People be like, wow, you made that? That's really what sharing often leads to. And I like that. I I like people going like, whoa, that's cool. I love giving it to people. Like, you know, there's a certain, you know how they say like giving is better than receiving. Like the sharing of the creativity, the sharing what you've made, the giving it away. It brings so much joy Mm -hmm. or even just the pat on the back. Like the, wow, like that, I really get a a natural high from that. That gives me a lot of joy to to spread it out. I often am not even using, you know, many of the things that I've made myself. I always end up giving them away. You know, lots of people are like, oh, I thought your house would, or every single bed would have a quilt on it. And it's true. Like I've made quilts for, but I always give them away. (laughs) So, you know what I mean? Yeah, Yeah, that's such a great answer. Because you have, you already have so much joy in the discovering and creating and everything, but then you add that whole extra spark of joy when you share it with Mm -hmm. the world, right? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So right now we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about Jennifer's homemade events and the homemade virtual quilting retreat. You don't want to miss this. We'll be right back. Did you know the Quilter on Fire podcast has up to 4,000 unique listeners per week? And not only that, each advertisement is up for the life of the podcast. If you have a quilting business and you advertise, you need to advertise right here. Drop me an email at brandy at quilteronfire.com to pick your advertising spot today. Looking for the best presents for someone special? Cricut literally makes the perfect gifts. With this smart material cutting machine, you can personalize and customize pretty much everything. The Cricut Maker 3 is the most versatile machine they have, able to cut 300 plus types of materials from the most delicate, like chiffon and silk, to leather and balsa wood. Creating projects are so easy with their free Design Space app. They have thousands of ready-to-make projects. Let's make your season with Cricut. Also, for those that are experienced or even new to Cricut, our friend Jennifer Tryon is holding a virtual Cricut event, a great opportunity to create with others and learn new skills. Visit homemade.ca to learn more. 
And we are back with Jennifer Tryon. So let's talk virtual events. You've had a few great events under your belt. So how long have you been doing this? The pandemic really sparked the virtual events. And because we were set up for TV anyway, it was a really natural fit. I was already doing tons of live streaming, tons of Facebook lives where we would go through a project and make it. What the pandemic did was organize it in a way that we started sending people the supplies that they needed to. Because getting access to all of the fabric or the thread or whatever it was that we were doing was tougher. Stores weren't open. A lot of people who wanted to, you know, got back into sewing because they were making masks and things, maybe wanted to do a quilt or some other sewing projects because we have a quilting event and just a regular sewing event where we make just sewing projects. And, but they don't know what they need. And that's Mm -hmm. half the battle. When you want your project to turn out, you need to have the right supplies. And we've all been there where you're like, oh, I'll just use this. And then you're like, "Uh didn't really didn't really turn out as good as the picture or as the pattern did because I didn't use what they used and I wanted mine to turn out like that. So what I started doing was sending people everything they needed in one big box and not just what they needed, extra bonus treats too. Like if you like quilting, then you're going to like all these little quilting knickknacks or some extra little bonus supplies. We always send a treat. Just fun. I kind of view it like we've all seen these subscription boxes or fab fit fun or you know what I mean? But it's, for the person who loves sewing or quilting. And so when you open it, like you just squeal because it's like a quilt kit where you get the top, where you get the piecing fabric, you get the batting, the backing, the binding, the thread, needles, you get, you know, basting spray, whatever you need for that quilt. Yeah, we send you the pattern. I always make sure I print out and give everybody organizational templates. So if you have to sort your quilt into certain, you know, stacks or in a certain order, you've got all the like a place to put them or keep them all organized. So I've always made the quilt a few times ahead. So I know if you do this, it's going to be easier, or it's going to be more organized. And or here's the most efficient way to cut this fabric. And so we yeah, that's how it kind of happened was seeing that there was a need out there and really just trying to fill it. Yeah. Yeah. And and they were so many people joined and it was so fun that I'm like, well, we have to just keep this going. Let's just do one or two of these a year. Because I think everybody's sort of become comfortable in the virtual space. I'm all for going back to quilt shops. Absolutely. I'm opening a quilt shop. So I want people to come back to it for sure. But I think we're all comfortable in the virtual space. And because we're so set up for TV, the quality of video that you get really does help when you can actually see what the person's doing with good lighting, good audio. It's not just a a Zoom call with 100 people on it and you can't really see There's tons that we've got tons of different cameras, like lots of different angles. And then when we go live, we have the ability to really answer questions one-on-one. We can bring people into the live if they're brave enough to go on camera on their own (laughs) phone or computer. They can ask me the questions themselves and show me what part they're at. We can guide them through. So it's a very cool experience, not only for the beginner, but a lot of, you know, veteran quilters do it because it's so many like-minded people and we're all making the same project and we all have the same stuff and everyone's posting along the way. Uh, So it's really, really fun. 
Yeah. Okay. And we're going to get into the retreat a little bit more later, but so it's not just quilting that you offer for these virtual events. So what other kind of things have you offered or will you offer coming up? Yeah. So last year we did bra making. Oh, you know, about 200 ladies across Canada. We all made the same bra. (laughs) (laughs) Pictures were optional. Um, (laughs) That was a lot of fun. We did all through throughout the month of June watercolor Wednesdays where I sent everybody a watercolor kit. So great for beginners, like paint set, lots of paper, stamps, you know, all different brushes, different techniques that we went every Wednesday night you know, 7 p.m. watercolor Wednesdays. That was a huge hit. We also do our regular homemade event, which is sewing based, but not quilting. Mm -hmm. So we made some like stuffies, we made rope bowls, you know, we learn different techniques often, like once we did like just a free motion class in there, a paper piecing class, but not a full quilt, just learn the technique. Uh, Mm -hmm. We made a skirt, other things that you can do with your sewing machine. And then of course, we do the cricket event, uh, which is really a deep dive into your cricket machine. So if you're a beginner with cricket or if you just have a cricket, that's all you need. You get an insane box of cricket supplies. And that's so fun to get in the mail. And then we do, you know, four or five projects. You know, we're doing a cake plate and how to like with etching cream, we're making cards, uh, we're making keychains, we're cutting some stuff with wood. So it's just a real like spectrum. And then coming up this year, we're doing a Christmas event. So it's our very first Christmas event and all the projects are Christmas related and not just sewing. You can use your sewing machine for some, but lots of them, there's like a Christmas album and like a little uh, Christmas village made of paper, just cute, cute thing that anyone, whether you're a quilter or a crafter, if you're of that mind, you'll just love it. Yeah. I need to take that cricket one because I have a brand new machine I've never even touched. (laughs) Oh, come on now. We got to get that out of the box. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm I'm really looking forward to cutting fabric with it. So I have to figure that, that out. It's going yes. to yeah. be a learning curve for it's sure. It's easy. It's yeah. easy. You'll be fine. Okay. okay. So the website is homemade.ca. So what's included in the price of each event? Like you've touched on the box, you know, mm-hmm. but so you just pay one price and like shipping box, everything yep. is all included. That's right. So you're going to get your box of supplies. everything you need. You just need your machine. We do say for the quilting event that you're going to want to have a rotary cutter, ruler, and mat. But if you're brand new and you don't, then we can add that to your box so that really you're getting everything you need. Lots of people already have those things though. But if you need a new blade or you need it, you can add it to your box, (laughs) you know? So yeah, everything you need is included. And then, like I said, and then some, and you just pay that one price and then you're in for the retreat. And what that means is once you've registered, we'll send you the box a few weeks before, and then you'll be entered into a private Facebook group. And what happens there is only people who are registered for the event go in and people start posting pictures of their boxes arriving. And we post a date. Like if you want to wait, we will do a live box opening and everybody in the event opens it together at the same time. We usually bring a few people in from all over the world to open their box at the same time. So there's like someone from Hawaii, someone from Australia, someone from Europe, someone from you know Newfoundland, someone from Kamloops, someone from all over. Where are you? And they're, you know, everybody's opening the box, which is really, really fun. And then usually a week or so after that, we get started with the actual event. Yeah. And usually they're like with the quilting retreat, for example, we'll put out a pre-recorded video class. So you really get step by step video instruction along with the pattern. 
And then a few days after that, I'll do uh, a live stream in that in that private Facebook group so that you have a few days to get it going, give some things a try. If you run into a roadblock, then we're there to um, answer questions live. But you can always post your question or your picture of whatever you're running into in the group and we answer it right away. And there's so many people in there everybody's always collaborating half the time. It's just people like, look at mine. Look what came. Hey, look at, I love this. Yeah. So oh, that's really fun when you're part of it too, you know? Yeah. 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 And with the box in the mail with everything you need, you just can't be disappointed. Right. Right. You, you're, you're not going to be like, well, mine doesn't look like that. Cause I didn't have that fabric yeah. or mine didn't work so well because I didn't have that thread or whatever. We're sending you what we know is going to work and what we know is going to, give you what what you want at the end which is this great heirloom okay so let's talk about the retreat coming up it's big news it's a big retreat so uh, let's we've outlined what would come in the box right it'd be the whole project everything but there's a feature person as well I know Vanessa Christensen from V&Co she is a big time moda fabric designer pattern designer she's a life coach too which I love following her and she does all of these brilliant ombre fabrics for Moda. Yeah. You've probably seen them. Or if you didn't know it was her, you've seen the pictures and gasped because they're so gorgeous. Yeah. Anyway, you're getting all of the ombre galaxy collection in your quilting retreat. We're using her new stargazer pattern that is meant to be used with her ombre fabrics. So you see this quilt and the stars are just twinkling because there's little flecks of gold in the fabric and the the fabric goes from like light to dark all in one ombre swoop and so your eyes are playing tricks on you when you see this quilt and all it is is half square triangles I mean like so many quilts but that's all this one is too half square triangles and squares but because the fabric changes color like that in the ombre it just is mesmerizing it looks like a stained glass window it's it's so gorgeous yeah, that sounds good. And if you want to go to that website to sort of check out that pattern, Ombre Stargazer, uh, Vanessa's website is vanessachristensen.com. And Christensen is spelled C-H-R-I-S-T-E-N-S-O-N. So if you want to check that out. So what is the marketplace sell-off? <laughs> so we never really, so the marketplace sell-off, it's sort of something that's come to be. And what we decided after our very first event was actually a happy accident. So accidentally, I was so paranoid that I wouldn't have enough fabric for the our very first event, even though I just was going mad buying all this fabric for everyone. <laughs> I was so worried we wouldn't have enough that I over-ordered. And the companies, it was Spiegel Fabrics, the, our very first year. And you know they were very generous. They gave us a good deal on the fabric because we were buying so much of it and so many people were going to get, you know, these great Figo fabrics. So they were on board and we got it for a great price. And I had all this left over. And I thought, Oh my God, even I can't use all this. <laughs> yeah. What am I going to do with all this? And then I thought, well, what if I just do a sell-off like shopping channel style? Yeah. Like, this is what I, I know what to do. Like, why don't I just say on the Friday of the event, whatever is left over, I'll just pass on the deal. Mm-hmm. to all the people who are ready you can't buy it if you're not in the group if you're not registered yeah and because here's the thing companies sell their products for certain public prices and they say to to stores and this is the price 
-hmm. and you can't go, you can't go lower than this price. Otherwise, you know, it's not fair to the other vendors across the country, whatever. However, this is a private sale. Yeah. (laughs) So nobody sees the prices. Yeah. And they've already invested in the event. That's right. right? They've already bought their kit. We've already paid for the stuff. And so we do a marketplace sell-off. It goes noon on Friday before the event starts. Have at it. (laughs) And it was a mad rush (laughs) to get all the leftovers for the great deals. So now my happy accident of over ordering, now I just try to make sure we've got enough for the marketplace afterwards, because people always want to get their hands on a, a, a few more yards of something or other, a few more meters of this or that, right? Well, they oh can. Oh my gosh. And when you put Moda's Ombre Galaxy line into a marketplace <laughs> sell-off, it's going to be like a frenzy, like you wouldn't believe. I know. And you know, this year, I, I well, it's hard to get, right? Like I yeah. had to order this fabric so many months ago. And it finally came in and I looked at it all and I thought, oh my God, please let us have enough people to use up all this fabric because I always am panicking. Like I just bought way too much yeah. and you know, it's so expensive. And I got to say, we did not really get a, a super insane deal on it. Like we yeah. just got the wholesale price, yeah, which is better than the retail price, but it's yeah. still expensive. It really yeah. is. Yeah. So when you're visiting your local quilt shop and wondering why this is 20 something a meter, it's that's because that's the price of it. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah, we will have some leftover and we will sell it off and okay. it will be a frenzy. Okay. So everyone listening right now is probably like, okay, tell me more. Where can I go? So homemade.ca <laughs> is the website. So is there a newsletter they can follow along with you or? For sure. If you go to homemade.ca and get on our mailing list, then you won't miss any of the event registrations. Okay. And right on our website, there's even a little column that says events and you there's a drop down menu and you'll see the quilting retreat, you see the cricket event, you see the Christmas event. And from there, you can either read more or just register. And yeah, we'd love to have some new people and let us know if you're new because, you know, sometimes we add a little bonus thing. Yeah. Your website is gorgeous. And so this is gorgeous photo of you. It's just clean and pretty. What other kind of things do you feature on your website? Oh my gosh. We love all creative things. So we're very into brush lettering and learning how to turn our chicken scratch handwriting into what looks more like a font with just a pen. So we're going to have that coming up in uh, 2023. You know, we're going to continue with the watercolor Wednesdays because that was really just sort of fun and therapeutic. It's totally free. You just log, it's just in our Facebook group. You know, it's free every Wednesday night. Well, we're going to start it up again. We just have been off for the summer. And if you have your own watercolor supplies, you can use them. Or if you want the kit, we can send you that too. And then you've got what I've got, but mostly we just want people to be inspired to be creative. And I mean, it's called homemade. And that's because it is homemade. And yeah. a lot of what people fear is that it's not going to look like an artist, or it's not going to be perfect. Yeah. It doesn't have to be it. It's meant to be a reprieve from your from your daily life. That's what homemade was for me way back when I was switching careers. It was the thing that sparked joy for me and you yeah. you hit on it and so that's what my company is called is homemade because that's what the intention is it's not meant to be a handmade boutique perfect you can sell this kind of item it's meant for you to just have fun creating something or making something at home you know we have a subscription box and 
every quarter when it goes out, there's just recipes in it too, because it's like, hey, I tried this at home. You'll want to make this too. You know, the more things that we can do that are homemade, the more of that little ounce of joy is going to grow in us because it really does. That creativity, that homemade feeling is really like no other. Yeah. And it kind of sounds like instead of having five, six different subscription boxes, you can have this one and you, you are (laughs) sort of an all around lover of everything. And so we'll see all kinds of variety there. And so Mm -hmm. of course, get on that email list, sign up for that to see all the events coming up. And you can also go on the website to find out when Jennifer's going to be live on TV. So Mm -hmm. I'm definitely going to click on that because I want to know when you're doing, (laughs) you're doing that makeover of the fireplace. I don't, it's coming. This sounds like so much work that you do to pull off all of these events and the subscription boxes and everything that you do. So do you have a team of staff? (laughs) Well, it started as just me, (laughs) for sure. And then it started with me and one of the moms that I would speak to at the bus stop who would then come (laughs) over on Wednesday afternoons and help me. Oh, how sweet. Um, Yeah. And then she started working full time. And then I ended up hiring a full-time camera person because we were shooting so many videos. Yeah. And at this point, I don't even know if I was even getting paid anymore. <laughs> I just needed the help. I don't yeah. care. And yeah, so we have Tamara and Karen and Natasha and Amanda and Katie and my sister, Sarah, uh, is very integral. Like she's like most is just like, you know, a good sister and just helps me out because she's like, Hmm, I think we need to think about this. Uh, yeah. you know, or I, I think you need to be a little more organized here. Have you ordered the cake plates for the cricket event? Those that's going to take a long time to come in, <laughs> you know, what's the numbers for this? And, you know, she's very business minded. Whereas I'm more like, Oh, look at this cute project. Let's, let's all of us make that. <laughs> yeah. So yes, I definitely have help at this point. Could I use 10 more people? Yes, <laughs> for sure, for sure. Uh, but we all could. So yeah. it's, it's all hands on deck. But when you're doing what you love, it doesn't, doesn't feel too, too load bearing. You yeah, know? well, and it's so nice to give a shout out to the team. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so along the way, have there been any big fails or wins, you know, lessons learned? Yeah. Every day there's fails and wins (laughs) every single day. Sometimes there's big fails. Like we moved, we had to move the date of our cricket event because like I said, the stuff wasn't just, it just wasn't going to get in on time and we really did order it, but it's, there's, there's some things that are just out of our hands. We cannot control customs. We cannot control shipping and all that kind of stuff. And I just thought, I don't want to sacrifice the event, I'd rather take the licks and change the date and give people what I know they want just a little bit later. So that was a hard day. It felt like I was maybe letting everyone down, but everyone is always so amazingly understanding on those things. And this is the difference I think between what I'm doing now and what I used to do is I got to say the sewing community in particular is so lovely. And everybody's just like, you're doing your best, Jen, like, no problem. We'll be here. Like the, the, the cricket group is like, we get it. It's, it's tough. People are doing this because they love it too. Yeah. And they're not like, oh, well, how dare you? Or, or this is brutal customer service or <laughs> just been so amazingly understanding. So the fail was also a win because it's yeah. like, look at how great all these people are. And everyone's like been so understanding with with some of that stuff. So there's lots of fails for sure. Every time I 
you know, we, we get a lot of photos taken. Sometimes I just look at them like, oh, <laughs> this feels like a fail. But I'm like, this is what I look like. So when just put yeah. it out there, someone will be inspired. Hopefully, you know, it is what it is. Oh, um, have, there, yeah. have there been like moments as well where you're like, yes, I can do this, like a proud accomplishment moment or anything. We don't think about those as often, do I we? I know, I know. But you know, when you asked me about like, when I was talking earlier about being at HSN before I had gotten the collaboration with Cricket Canada and being in the US and seeing the cricket people there and being so inspired by them and thinking, wow, one day, imagine if that would feel like a win. Yeah. And so I love working with cricket. That did make me feel like, huh, maybe I am doing something right here. But I have to also really be careful not to fall into the trap of someday when this happens, I'll be good yeah. enough or I'll be ready or I'll be happy then. Yeah. You know, it's, the very fact that I'm just talking about quilting and crafting here today with you, you know what I mean? It's amazing. It's yeah. so, I mean, it's amazing. So I have to really not fall in the trap of like, only if I get there, will I be good enough or, or happy then or, but yeah, there has been big moments like the Janome moments and the cricket moments where you get to work with them when, you know, the producers from global keep, you know, emailing back, what's your next segment? These are all big wins that yeah. you, once they become normalized, you, you want to make sure you don't take for granted yeah. because, you know, soon it can feel like old hat when it's not, there's lots of people who think, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So yeah, those are all big. Yeah. Sure. And you're, you're kind of talking about, you know, appreciating what's happening right now. Right. And mm-hmm. so speaking of that, being so busy, do you have any creative time for yourself? Honestly? Yes. I do. And I never, and I try not to even post about it. So for example, this past weekend, my son was in like a big baseball tournament. It was the Ontario championship and our league happened to be running the, the whole tournament and we needed like a prize table. And I thought, I'll just make a big baseball quilt. And you know, they, that can go into on the prize table and I thought this is going to be so fun and making it like for his team. And, yeah. you know, it's going to like, I would never normally have a baseball quilt myself, yeah. but it's just a big quilt that looked like a giant baseball. And people maybe have seen them on Pinterest. It was not a, a revolutionary new thing, but yeah, it was just for my son. And, you know, just so that the team could raise some money. We always are just making something around here. Yeah. And it's so integrated into our daily life that we don't even really notice it that like the hobby is just kind of taken over. Yeah. Um, everything is homemade. Like everything is homemade. Like the kids now beg, can I please just buy something at the store? <laughs> like, <laughs> like as soon as they got old enough, they're like, could I buy my Halloween costume from the store? Like <laughs> I saw they had them at Costco. They look so amazing. And I was like, are you kidding? <laughs> you know, uh, so sweet. Yeah. We do integrate all of that into daily life. Okay, so earlier in the interview, you let slip a little tidbit, and I'm not going to let it go away. You have some big news about a possible bricks and mortar. So what's that all about? So remember how I said I'm making this off-site craft room? Yeah. Uh, well, downstairs is going to be the homemade shop. Uh-huh. And if you're anywhere in Southern Ontario, I hope you'll swing in and come and say hi and we've we've gonna have tons of fabric, tons of sewing notions. I've become a full Janome dealer. 
which means you can come and get the latest and greatest machine or just have a play. We're going to have, it's going to be a little bit different where take the machine down, sit, sew, try, try anyone you want. Just pull it down off the wall and give it a go. We'll be making a store quilt. So anybody who's sampling and putting squares together every year, will put together all the little tests that people have done in the store and make it into a big store quilt and donate it. We'll also have some other craft supplies too. Like we're going to do watercolors. We've got some stamping stuff. We've got some scrapbooking and card making. We've got some soap kit, like all kinds of different homemade candles and soaps and things like that. And then we also decided to put a big TV in the shop with a direct link to upstairs. So if you're downstairs and we've got a show going on, you can sit and watch Fun. Um, and have a front row seat. To oh, that, going on. that is so fun. Yeah. Oh, that sounds really good. Okay. So now it's time for the lightning round Robin. So this is a series of rapid fire questions and it's super fun. Are you ready? Give it to me. Okay. What is your favorite notion or tool? Rotary cutter. Okay. And when you see inspiration in the world, how do you capture that? My iPhone. I'm constantly taking pictures and screenshotting. Okay. What is something your crafty community may not know about you? That I love singing karaoke. Uh (laughs) (laughs) I love singing. (laughs) That sounds good. As a creative person, do you have any collections like thimbles or vintage aprons? Mm. No, but that is funny because I really do think I have a hoarding tendency. So I'm surprised (laughs) I haven't started collecting stuff. Don't put that in my mind. (laughs) Well, I can see in some of the beautiful backdrops and your photography on your website, and you've got this gorgeous wall of cricket. And, you know, of course, we all collect fabric and things like that. Uh Okay. So, and finally, do you have any furry friends in the studio? Oh, my gosh. Can I tell you a story? Yeah. (laughs) So, yes, we have a dog and a cat. The dog is Honey, and the cat is Ginger. And Ginger, when we were moving, uh, Ginger's an outdoor cat. We couldn't keep him in. He just needs to roam, let him live his best life. So we always let him outside. And anyway, so we said to the kids, make sure you're keeping an eye on Ginger before we move. Like Ginger's got to be home. And we're packing up a few days before we went to move. We packed the sea container, like one of those bins of the driveway full of everything from the basement, all of the craft stuff. Yeah. And it went ahead to Kingston ahead of us three days ahead of us. Anyway, so then we're packing up the rest of the house. I'm like, keep a watch for Ginger. Gotta make sure the cat comes home before we move. Oh no. Sure enough, the cat is nowhere to be found. The moving trucks are there. Like we gotta go. The new people are coming. Like where is Ginger? And the kids are devastated. And we keep going back. Like we went back for a few days. Like my son's riding his bike around the neighborhood like Ginger. Mm. <laughs> like it was sad. Mm. But we arrive at the new house with only honey. Even honey is wandering around the house like where's Ginger? Yeah. Anyway, two weeks go by, 14 days, and we get a call from the police. <gasps> and we're like, what's going on? And oh, they no. said, someone behind your business can hear meowing coming from the sea container. Oh no, she's in the sea container. (laughs) And I thought, it's been 14 days. We even opened the bin when we got to Kingston ourselves to see if anything had shifted. My husband even jokingly whistled for ginger and Uh, nothing. Oh no. 
And so it's the dead of summer. It's so hot. This is terrible. Oh, this is terrible. Yeah. I'm racing to the shop and I'm calling the emergency vet hospital to say, look, here's the situation. It's been 14 days, no food, no water, no light, nothing. Just, just know that I'm about to race in there with this. I don't know what state the cat's going to be in, but someone heard meowing. Anyway, we go, we open the sea container doors and there's Ginger looking at us like, what the heck? (laughs) She's so mad at you. (laughs) So mad. But just a little skinnier. Kind of fine. Oh, so anyway, I scoop him up. I bring him to the vet. We're all crying. Ginger, my God, we're looking for you. We're sorry. What happened? How could this happen? And so we take him to the vet, and the vet is like, of course, he drinks a big bowl of water, has a big bowl of food. And she's like, now this cat should have gone into liver failure like 10 days ago. Wow. I'm like, ah. She's like, can we, can we run some tests? And we're like, yes, take all the money. Whatever you got to do. <laughs> yeah. like, and she comes out and she's in tears holding Ginger. And she's like, he just shows that he's a bit dehydrated. She's like, I can't explain this. Holy. It's like a miracle. And my daughter just scooped up Ginger. Of course, we're crying and holding oh. Ginger. We can't believe it. Ginger was with the craft stuff the whole time. Oh. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh, so Ginger she's... is no worse for the wear. We really <laughs> like it's been over a month now. And Ginger is just fine. I think Ginger used all his nine lives. Yeah. That go. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, what a great story to finish the round robin. So thank you for braving the lightning round robin. That was sure. super fun. So I've mentioned your website at homemade.ca where we can see everything you have to offer, but where's the best place for quilters to connect with you on social media? Well, I mean, Facebook is great. We've got a Facebook group going, Homemade with Jennifer Tryon. Lots of people are posting what they're making there. But if you just want to see what I'm up to on the daily, uh, Instagram is great for that. Jennifer underscore Tryon. And I'm always posting like in the stories or in the reels or on the on the feed, what's kind of going on on a regular basis for sure. Yeah, your feed is beautiful. Okay, so now I'm going to make mention of this week's contest giveaway. You might want to sit down for this because usually on this podcast, we give away a prize valued at $25 or so. You know, the big ones being fabric companies who usually offer fat quarter bundles. But today, Today, Jennifer is giving away a spot at her homemade virtual quilting retreat. The event takes place October 14th for seven weeks, and we will be shipping the prize ASAP. So if you've got the Tuesday podcast preview in your inbox today, the link to the contest is there. Go enter today. This is a $350 value and includes the box. This is full of everything you need to make the quilt project, including the batting. So Jennifer, that is such a generous prize. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, you're so welcome. I'm so excited for one of your listeners to get, you know, a little uh, taste of our event. And you know what, even if you don't win, check it out anyway. And you know what, you can use the code podcast. Take $5 off. Yeah. Okay, great. And one lucky listener is going to be so thrilled to join you for this event. Now, as we wrap up the podcast, Jennifer, what do you want quilters, makers, or sewists to take away most from our conversation today? I think that you can just go for it. No matter what stage of the journey you're at, whether you've never picked up a piece of fabric or whether you've been doing this your whole life, 
there might be something that you're afraid to to try or do. But we have to remember that we're not sewing, you know, sutures after open heart surgery here. This is fabric and this is for fun. And if you've always wanted to try paper piecing or if you've always wanted to try garment making, just do it. What what have you got to lose? A little bit of fabric? I know you got lots of fabric. Just go for it. Just go for it. Yeah, that's such great advice. Try everything and find Mm -hmm. out what you love. You need that calm, methodical craft in your life, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So Jennifer, that was so fun. I just loved having you on the show. Thank you so much for being here. You've been great. I love listening and thank you so much for having me. Okay. So that was my show with Jennifer Tryon. I love how she made a bold transition from high powered TV career to doing what she loves and taking you along with her every step of the way. On her website, you'll find loads of inspiration and see the latest announcements and be able to register for her upcoming virtual quilt retreat in October with the Homemade with Jennifer Tryon Facebook group. It was so nice to have her on the show. Now, are you loving this podcast? Take a moment right now to think of a friend who might love it too. I'd be so thrilled if you would share this podcast or write a review on your podcast app. The kindest thing you can do to support a creator is to introduce them to your friends. And don't forget, if you want to be the first to know when a podcast airs each Tuesday and have instant access to the weekly podcast giveaway, sign up for the Quilter on Fire email list. Just go to quilteronfire.com, scroll to the bottom and sign up right there. Thank you for listening to the Quilter on Fire podcast. Until next time, dream big and have fun in the studio with the Quilter on Fire.